Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators, a community of math teacher educators learning to teach math teachers better. I'm your host, Dusty Jones, and today we're talking with Temple Wachowiak, who is an Associate Professor of Mathematics Education at North Carolina State University. We're talking to Temple because she has been a, a driving force, a key person in the AMTE community circles, uh, which we're going to talk about later on in this episode. Temple, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. And I appreciate you in inviting me to join you today. Nice to be here. Great. Thanks. Uh, can you just tell us a, a little bit more about yourself, um, just as an introduction? Yeah, so um, as you as you stated, I'm the, um, an associate professor of mathematics education at NC State University, and I focus on mathematics in the elementary grades in my position there. Um, I work in the undergraduate teacher preparation program, preparing um, future elementary teachers, um, mainly focus at my primary focus with that group has been on the upper elementary grades, but I also work with practicing teachers in our MED program. So teachers that are coming back to graduate school to um, mm -hmm. hopefully become an elementary math coach, um, you know, or hopefully find one of those positions. But basically, they're developing expertise um, in elementary mathematics and pedagogy. Um, and then finally, I've, I have doctoral students. Um, and most of my doctoral students also are interested in mathematics in the elementary grades. I have a few that um, are interested in middle school but I work in the doctoral program mentoring and advising as well. Um, and then obviously I'm also engaged in research and active. Um, that has primarily focused on teacher development. So especially mm -hmm. teacher development among novice teachers as they transition from the pre-service years into the early years of teaching. But then a big part of my work has really been on observational instruments and um, collecting evidence of validity and reliability um, of those instruments. Um, so, and I can say more about that if you'd like me to, but I know that we're here to talk about the community circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but before we do that, since you kind of told us about your present, I want to take us back to the past a little bit. And uh, can you tell us um, how did you start teaching math teachers and why did you do that? Yeah, so I, um, I when I was, I, as an undergraduate, I was um, an, a teacher candidate, a pre-service teacher. And I, after finishing college, I worked as a sixth grade math teacher. Um, and as a part of that work, I decided that I was interested in hopefully becoming a math coach. So I went back to the University of Virginia for some additional coursework to become licensed as a K-8 math specialist. I worked as a, um, as a math specialist for three years prior to then work and actually worked as an assistant principal. People are always mm -hmm. surprised to hear that about me, but I wanted to really impact teaching more broadly. And so mm -hmm. I worked as an assistant principal for a year. And that was the year that I was like, Temple, if you want to, you know, work with practicing teachers and pre-service, then you probably need to get a PhD so that you can work at a university, you know? And so, and, you know, just the assistant principal route, I just realized that that wasn't the route that I needed to mm -hmm. take. So I went back, I actually, went to the University of Virginia for my PhD. And then when I finished there, I came to NC State. So that's my path. Um, mm -hmm. um, and it's been a fun one. Like, I, you know, I've been really blessed and have enjoyed, um, you know, where I've been and all of the people. I have so many people to thank who have shaped me as a yeah. professional. Yeah. That's great. Um, it's, it's always neat to hear the different ways that people get to 
um, not that not that we're all math teacher educators doing the same thing, but the different ways people get there. So I like to hear your route through, you know, from the classroom teacher uh, working towards being a coach and then assistant principal. You know, it's kind of a surprise. Uh, you know, uh, not not everybody does that. So that's great that you bring all those experiences um, to bear and 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 uh, as you help your your teacher candidates um, try to navigate those things. I'm sure you have some some words of wisdom of you know that you could give them. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, you know, while the, I realized that the assistant principal route wasn't the route that I wanted to take, I learned so much that mm -hmm. year that has really informed, you know, my work going forward. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. so what are, so, what are some things or what maybe what's the best advice that you received uh, when you started teaching math teachers? I think the best advice that I received was, to get to know whatever group it is that I'm working with really well, not only um, they're in terms of their professional needs, but also them as people mm -hmm. and really valuing the experiences that they bring to whatever the experience is, whether that's the university course or whether that's a professional development setting in a school, um, but to really, you know, to first really understand what their needs are. Now, what I've come to learn is that there tends to be some commonalities and needs across the different populations in which I work, right? Like, so now that mm -hmm. I've taught undergraduates for 12 years, like, you know, like there's definitely commonalities, but then there's always some uniquities in terms of like what they need. Um, and then also just really trying to understand them and their experiences and what they bring to the classroom, because we know everybody has strengths. So I think that was the best advice um, that I got. Yeah, that's great. What sort of advice um, would you give to someone who was starting out in, in this role now? So, you know, my, I, I say this repeatedly, um, and recently <laughs> I've been, you know, saying this with colleagues as we reflect on like the past semester. Um, I have learned, and this is something I did not know starting, like when I first started, like at NC State, for example, um, I've learned the importance of being explicit with whatever group that I'm working with. And what I mean by that is say that you do some sort of task or activity in some sort of learning setting, whether again, whether that's a course or a professional development setting. Um, initial early on the first few years, I think I made assumptions and inferred what they were pulling from those activities and tasks. And then I learned based upon like something maybe they submitted at the end of the semester or something I observed in a classroom that they had not taken mm -hmm. what I had intended them to take, you know, <laughs> or to, to, to obtain, so to speak. Um, and so I, you know, while I still want them to make sense of the math and have opportunities to practice, I've also learned that like on the back end of whatever that we do, that it's just really important to also be really explicit with my own goals and then really explicit and wrapping up in the end. Um, and I know that sounds, it, it sounds, it might sound silly in some ways, but it's just has been a really big aha for me in terms of like, as I reflect on my practice as a math teacher educator and being more effective with whatever population that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Uh, knowing, knowing your audience is one thing that um, some people have told me, you know, you got to know those, but not just, not just who they are in, in the, like you said, in the professional role or, or you know, the, the student role, but 
uh, know who they are, you know, get to know those people and, and what those are. Yeah. I, I was at the grocery store um, this weekend and uh, somebody said, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones. And I looked up and it was a, a teacher that had, we had done professional development um, and the, our project ended just right before uh, everything shut down for COVID. It was like well-timed, you know, that we were wrapping things up in February of 2020. And she was like, Hey, we're all getting that, getting together. Could you want to, do you want to come and have dinner with us? And I was like, wow, I must've made some good connections with these people, you know, on a yeah. personal level instead of, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's really cool. That's yeah. Really and cool. then based upon those needs, like figuring out like, so what are the goals and making yeah. those goals? And I guess that's what has knowing their needs, but then making the goals explicit based on those needs. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's the connections between those two things that I shared with you. And then they know um, with those goals being explicit, then the, the people, the participants, people you're working with on your team, know what everybody knows where you're headed. Um, yeah. That's really helpful instead of yeah. what are we doing? What's going on here? Right, right. So one of the things I guess connected to this is uh, the AMTE community circles. So uh, can you tell me uh, a, a little bit about them, I guess, or maybe a lot about them? <laughs> like, why were they formed? What's, uh, what, what's the purpose of the AMTE community circles? Yeah, so, um, so in September of 2019, an AMTE membership task force was formed, and this was for a directive from the board to form a task force to really analyze, um, evaluate, um, you know, identify strengths and weaknesses as it relates to member benefits, um, membership in general, like ways that we might expand membership. Um, uh, mem uh, what's related to mem expanding membership would be who knows about AMT, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, do, do people at all institutions even know because we we realized that like that it may be dependent upon like who you're networked with as mm -hmm. your knowledge of AMTE. So so that was why the membership task force was formed. Mm -hmm. And so the membership task force worked for about a year from September of 2019 to September of 2020. And then we produced a report to the board with some recommendations. And I want to talk a little bit more about the work that the task force did. Okay. So in addition to having meetings, month regular meetings, um, you know, with when we had a variety of representation across the task force, we also conducted a survey of AMTE members to get feedback and their perspectives on all of these things, right, on benefits and ways that we can expand membership and so forth. And so one thing that came out of that was trying to develop another mechanism for, for members to feel a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. um, because, for example, when some people come to the conference, you know, I think about myself, I've been a member of AMTE for quite a long time now. And so I know so many people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I, but say I'm a first time attendee or there's no one else there for my institution or whatever it may be in terms of the conference, like trying to figure out a ways for people to get connected. Another thing that came out of that membership um, that the survey that the membership task force conducted was that the, you know, that conference attendance is not a, not possible for everyone mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Right. I mean, one of them being the that's associated with traveling to the conference. 
And so we were, again, trying to think about other ways for people to connect um, beyond. And I know that AMT has wonderful resources like the webinars, right? Mm-hmm. But, but more like something that I can come to and come to regularly so that I feel the sense of community. Yeah. So that's how they were born. So um, it's just and, and then so then what happened between, you know, after the board received the report and then um, we were moving into the February 2021 conference, mm-hmm. which was all virtual. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like the moment is ripe, right, yeah. to introduce community circles because we were trying to the conference committee was trying to think about ways for people to feel connected you know, because we're not going to be having conversations in the hallways of the mm-hmm. conference center, right? Um, and so at the AMTE 2021 conference, that's when community circles were launched. Mm-hmm. And how we determined what the circles were was based upon feedback from the membership um, that, again, was came out of a survey. So at that 2021 conference, we had 16 community circles. Um, you know, some of them, some of those... Com- community circles met twice like because you know how the conference that year was spread out like Mm -hmm. between two weeks right so some of them met you know both weeks and then some of them only met one week it was really up to the facilitators and the people that attended um and so what came of that was some of them were more well attended than others right Mm -hmm. but they were all i mean it was definitely a productive um you know on the conference feedback form that year, there was positive feedback about the community circles. I think the hardest thing was for people to choose which one to attend. Mm -hmm. And because of being in that virtual space, we did have um, community circles at the same time, right? Like we were Mm -hmm. did up in the evening and they all ran at the same time. So if I wanted to go to two, there were eight at this during the first hour and then eight during the second hour. But if there were two on the same list that I wanted yeah. to go to, I couldn't go to both. So, and so that was feedback that we'd received. So then from there, as we moved into the 20, this academic year, 2021, 22, um, I gathered feedback from the facilitators of the circles um, based upon like whether people thought they wanted to put a pause on the circle or whether like, which is, you know, and also the board had discussions like about like, um, making sure we're not having too many running at once, but ones that maybe, you know, meet some needs of members of the organization, um, ones that we know that we have facilitate facilitators that want to continue, right? So we made the decision to just start small for this year, for this idea of year-long community circles. And we had six community circles that ran year-long this year. And they met at least four times, um, I think that some circles may have met some more. Um, and so the, but what we do when they meet is I'll, um, I send out an email to the facilitators to ask them to sign up for a time. Mm-hmm. So we make sure that no two circles are meeting at, ideally not on the same day and not at the same time so that people can attend more than one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long spiel, but. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, it's, it's good information. So um, started with 16. Um, I remember, I remember being interested in more than three. And so it was, you know, the pigeonhole problem of, I yeah. can't, I can't go to all of these things. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been really great. And I've been tangentially involved in, in one throughout the, uh, this, this current year. And it's been great. Um, who, who are community circles for who should join a community circle? 
any AMT member Great. should join. That's that, It's a benefit for the membership and any AMT member should join a community circle. But I also want to say that joining a community circle, you can join, you can be a member of, you can go to all six community circles that exist currently. I'll talk more about next year in just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But you can, you also don't have to attend every meeting. You can come when you want to come. You know, you can go to the, um, MTEs who are the sole MTE at their, your own institution, one, one meet at one point, and then go to the anti-racist teaching practices mm-hmm. community circle at another point. So there's no um, commitment, right? And yeah. another thing that's different about this is, um, you know, when we were talking, we said one thing that we, we didn't want to say that these were working groups, like, like, for example, if you, those are people that have been to PMENA, mm-hmm. PMENA has working groups that the really the, the purpose of these community circles is to build community and it's member driven such that what happens inside those circles and where they go and if it turns into working groups around products then that's great mm-hmm. but that there's no expectation that that happens yeah so can you tell you, you kind of tease this a little bit so tell me what uh, we can expect in the future for community yeah. circles so um so what what's going to happen in the so this this year again like the, the virtual conference was the launch, right? Like mm-hmm. testing it out. And then this was our test of this year long community circle idea. Um, and just to have a subset of those running year long. So six of them. And so now, you know, we firmly believe that this should be member driven and that if a members want to form a community circle around a topic or a you know, it, anything, a characteristic that they can. And so what's happening currently in um, the, an email came from Sherry Sakara, the executive director, and we'll um, make sure another email goes out as well um, with a call that you can submit a proposal. Um, and I say proposal, maybe just to say that we use the word propose um, <laughs> to have a community circle, um, because our intent is, again, if you're interested in having a community circle, that you should be able to have a community circle that you form. Mm-hmm. So what has to happen is you just need at least three AMG members who are interested and committed to participating in the circle, just three to get started. And, um, and then you would meet throughout. I mean, again, the expectation is to meet like our approximate timeline is like once in September, once in December, February affiliated with the conference. Although we make sure that we also allow people to, um, have been able to join virtually, if, mm-hmm. especially this past year. I don't, we don't know what that will look like in 2023. Mm-hmm. And then, and then again, at the end of the academic year. Um, and, you know, I've had one circle that has asked, can they meet more frequently than that? And I think the answer is yes, we just need to, what I'm working on with, I have a new membership committee, which is really nice. Okay. Working on with that committee is um, the way to streamline that so that, so that we could, people can meet, if they meet additionally, we just want to make sure that the membership knows that people are meeting, you know, more frequently. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what you can do. Do you have an that's idea? Great. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. I've, I've been involved with, uh, like I said, tangentially with the statistics education community mm-hmm. circle, and that's been really helpful. And I, uh, if they're listening to this, they're like, you haven't been involved, but <laughs> I have been involved as much as I can be, I guess right now. And so that's been, that's been exciting to, uh, be able to have that group of people that we share interest in, and I have other interests, and so there's other community circles that uh, that have gone on this year that I've thought, ooh, I'd like to be involved in that, but 
different responsibilities, or I guess I can, I'm not here to make excuses. I just didn't participate in them. Um, but uh, so are there any that are currently existing that are going to keep going for the next year? Or is it like a fresh, uh, can, can you, can you list uh, for our listeners um, what community circles are, are out there? Yes. So, and I, and I, yeah, and I'd love to also, um, I'll list them and, you know, and then I also would love to share some, some anecdotal That'd stories that some yes, of the facilitators please. have shared. Um, so the current ones that will continue, um, MTEs who are sole MTE at their institution, LGBTQ plus inclusion in mathematics education, the statistics education one that you mentioned, they're actually going to change their, their name to statistics and data science mm -hmm. teacher education because Travis Weiland, the facilitator, shared with me that a lot of the conversations have, have also included data science. And so they feel like that the, the name change would be more um, representative of what they're doing in that community circle. Yeah. Um, the anti-racist teaching practices in mathematics education circle will continue. Um, the MTEs of color will continue. I'm not sure. Um, we, we possibly may have some facilitator changes in some of the circles um, because of not because just to like relieve people if somebody mm -hmm. else wants to facilitate. And a facilitator is only really to just like get people started. It's not. I'm actually changing the name of that to be like the point of contact, you okay. know, provide the Zoom link, get people together and then. Yeah talk, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the early career MTEs, which also includes graduate students. Um, that's so also, um, I anticipate continuing, um, it, it potential on a couple of them that there may be a, you know, a change in the point of contact. Um, but so, but they've gone really well. I mean, um, I've had a couple of people say, um, I think it was, one person said that they came to the conference in 2022 because of the community circles, right? Oh, like, wow. yeah, because they felt connected. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, one of the Kyle Whipple, who is the facilitator mm -hmm. um, for the LGBTQ plus, he said that, uh, you know, that one of his participants said that um, they participate in the group because of the community that it connects me to. So I think hey. they're doing exactly what we want them to do. And Kyle, also shared um, a quote with me that Eminence Reed, that the circle has been one of his favorite things about belonging to AMT, having a group of people to meet with a few times a year who share similar experiences and have similar reactions to the political landscape we live in mm -hmm. has been really beneficial. Yeah. Um, and he gave me permission to share that, that quote. Um, and so, you know, I think that in fact, that circle, um, one thing that they hope to do in the next year is they want to create a document of language that AMT could refer to when writing letters of response to the passing of laws that discriminated against the LGBTQ plus community. Mm -hmm. So some, I think some really, you know, this, yeah. again, because the, even though the focus is just to build community in our organization and among mathematics teacher educators, I think there's some other really good work coming out of it. Um, so the sole, another example of some things is the sole MTE group. Um, Diana Sherman and Tim Hendricks are the co-facilitators of that group. And they've shared that it really has um, allowed people who don't have other MTEs at their institution to discuss and engage with problems of practice. Mm -hmm. um, 
and on and and actually problems of practice at soul mte space because they are the soul mte yeah. that's given them that network and that they've shared you know they've created a contact list that includes email and phone number and department home and in fact they're making professional connections research around research collaborations and teaching support um so it's really exciting to hear the things that are happening mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean, I, I have other examples, but I've, I'll pause. That's great. Well, those two examples, I mean, we're building community, and but the outcomes and the, the goals, I guess, to tie this back to earlier, um, might be different for different community circles, but all of these sorts of things are, are welcome, uh, welcome products, you know, welcome byproducts, maybe, or outcomes yeah. from, uh, from having these community circles. That's great. Are there others that you wanted to share? Well, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, there are. And um, the one of them relates to, it was from the anti-racist teaching practice group. Um, and that circle, Joel Amadon sent me an mm -hmm. email um, that, you know, it really has allowed everybody, including the facility, like everybody's a learner in these circles. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I want to point that out. And, and they've had some really good learning around like, pushing, moving themselves forward individually as a professional, but then collectively as this group of MTEs, as it relates to reflecting on the teaching practices that we're using in our, in our work as MTEs, so, at, you know, anti-racist teaching practices. And so, but the reason I want to also highlight that is because I'll, I want people to understand that the point of contact, for, so if you submit a proposal by June 15th, as a point of contact, I, I've been using the word facilitator here, but it, mm -hmm. it really is it, that group kind of drives it. You know, people have told me they come together and, you know, that uh, the person that's the point of contact might have an initial question, right? But then it really mm -hmm. turns into a group conversation and a group decisions about like what you talk about and what you work, you know, if you wanted to work on something. Um, but um, I say that because I, I think that, uh, I, I, the facilitators haven't reported that it's been a huge because I know we're all really busy mm -hmm. and I don't think it's been a huge, um, you know, strain on their time. And in fact, like that quote from Kyle as the facilitator, mm -hmm. you know, has found it a really, really worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. yeah I mean, and then the, you know, the early career, one more example would be from the early career, um, the early career M MTE group that also includes graduate students. They've been really, they've been able to leverage the fact that they have doctoral students in the, to people that are about to enter, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, into their career, possibly in academia. I don't want to make it sound like that that's the only option because it's yeah. not right. But regardless, like that they've, they've really been able to leverage the early career MTEs offering advice to the mm -hmm. doctoral students around finishing your dissertation, yeah. right? Like, um, habits around writing and things like that. So that's some of what they shared um, about just one of the things that's that they great. feel like have been productive from their community circle. That's wonderful. That's th these are all great things. I'm excited to see what uh, you know where these existing ones go that you listed. These six that that have gone on this year, and then also uh, for people who might you know they have uh, three colleagues that <laughs> two or three colleagues that are interested in the same sort of thing. Let's let's put uh, let's put one of us down as the point of contact and 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 send in this thing to AMTE. You you, you kind of you, you say you want to avoid calling it a, pro, a call for proposals because um, 
AMT is not trying to act like a gatekeeper necessarily and say, these are going to, these are going to go and these are not, uh, but right. we're just trying to be able to um, let all of our members, once something is a community circle, then all members of AMTE know about it uh, or, or have, have access to knowing here are the, here are the community circles for this next year. If you want to get involved, here's, uh, here's where you go for that. So, and yeah. that, that information is going to be, I guess, listed on AMTE website, maybe sent out to, in emails to, to members and things like that about how to get involved. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and what you just said made me think of something that Travis from the statistics and data science teacher education, I'm going to use their new name, um, community circle shared that like that there were, there were pairs of people, pairs or trios of people mm -hmm. working together. And this has brought all of those people together um, yeah. around the same interests, you know, and you being one of those. So, yeah. um, yeah, so, so you just exactly what you just said, right. I'm only talking to two or three people. Hey, now I can talk to 10 people, you know, yeah. and that, and just, that's another thing is that it's typically, I think typically attendance is somewhere between 10 and 20. Okay. Um, sometimes lower, right. But typically but that's mm -hmm. been, you know, so it's a nice, and you know, I think people have used breakout rooms if they want to break out into even smaller groups yeah. um, to talk. So, yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks, Temple, for for telling us about these, for your work in helping, I guess, uh, get these community circles off the ground. And uh, we're excited to see where where they go next and uh, the different, different wonderful things that come out of that. Um, one of the things we like to ask our guests is um, to, to think about just advice for um, like you mentioned, we're all busy. We've all got stuff going on. So what, what is your, what, what do you do? How do you get things done? What are some of your practices that you that found worked for you to accomplish the many, many tasks that uh, have to get done? You know, I think that I probably have three pieces of advice related to this. I block off time on my calendar. Mm -hmm. For particular task. For example, this afternoon I blocked off a three-hour chunk um, for a task that I need to work on so that I don't schedule something else. Mm -hmm. And it also holds me accountable because I'll get the notification, okay, it's time to start working on that task. So that's the one thing. Um, the second thing is when I have been the most productive with writing, has been when I have, and I don't, and I, and I will admit that I'm not consistent with this different periods in my life. I'll have periods, meaning like when I look back over my, the last 12 years, there's been periods where I'm consistent about having a daily writing habit, right. And like mm -hmm. writing for one hour in the morning. Um, and I'm most productive when I do that, mm -hmm. but there, but there are times that I don't do that. And then I'm least, I'm less productive because what happens is I step away and then I have to get my head back in it, you know, all yeah. over again. Um, and then I think the third piece of advice is also to everything's not going to get done. <laughs> Meaning like, you know, you're going to, you know, you're never going to get everything. It's going to get done at some point, but do you follow me? Like, uh -huh, yeah, things are constantly having to get reprioritized. And, you know, I think with practice, you learn on what things can wait a little bit. Yeah. And what are the like the most important things for today? Yeah. You know, that, versus what could wait until two weeks from now? Um, I don't I would not call myself a master at that. But <laughs> I try to, you know, I try to remind myself of that. Sure. Yeah. especially yeah. when it comes to, as it relates to like work-life balance and really trying to close things down, you know, mm -hmm. um, 
and not working all the time. Right. Yeah. Uh, someone asked me something about a position in, in my department and like, how much time does it take? And I said, it'll take as much time as you give it. Like you can, yeah. it, it, <laughs> you can really yeah. do. Yeah. And so uh, those, those are helpful. And I appreciate, you know, you saying um, like some of these things, like having a daily write, writing habit is, is helpful. Um, but it's not something that you achieve all the time, every time, you know, uh, yeah. every day. So that's, that's helpful to know as well. Yeah. I mean, um, giving yourself some grace too, right around, you know, and again, keeping a work-life balance, I think is so important. Sure. Sure. Um, the community circles is one reason why we asked you to, to come on and talk about that. So we've been, we've been talking about that. We've been promoting the, uh, those the call for proposals, call for new community circles, um, that do June 15th is what a current deadline. Um, anything else that you have to promote that you've been working on or that's come out or you want to say, Hey, check, check this out. The work that I'm really engaged in right now. Um, so I would encourage people to keep an eye out for the work that comes out of this project is, um, the project that I have with my colleagues, um, Joni Wilson and Annie Wilhelm, and Annie is at um, Southern Methodist University, um, but we are, and, and Joni is the PI of this project, but we have been working on um, collecting evidence of validity for a set of classroom observational rubrics that um, Joni is the lead developer of, um, and we have been working on collecting evidence of validity, yeah, reliability, mm-hmm. and um, that is a part of that work. I mean, I'm, I'm engaged because of my background and um, you know I'm a lead co-developer of the mathematics scan the M scan mm-hmm. which is another classroom observational instrument and so you know, the work has been really exciting um, to because what you know we're so we're still building our data right mm-hmm. like are collecting our data and then ultimately we'll be looking at relationships between um, so the, while it's focused on collecting evidence of validity, part of that is looking at relationships between these different observational measures and relationships to student outcomes and relationships to teacher characteristics mm-hmm. and so forth between these set of um, equitable mathematics teaching practices. So I would just encourage people to keep their eyes out. Um, that work, that project is called Project Veer Me, and the names of those rubrics is the equity and rubrics um, for mathematics instruction, the rubrics were called ear me. Um, and so, you know, as we move forward, that's what I'm working on right now and that we have some things, you know, forthcoming. Great. Great. That's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Temple. It's, it's been, it's been wonderful. And I look forward to uh, seeing what comes next from the community circles and from, from these projects that you mentioned. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Yeah. And thanks again to you, the listeners, for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. We hope you're able to take action on something you just heard, maybe get some friends together and propose something for AMTE, and interact maybe through the community circles with other math teacher educators. Uh, Speaking of interacting, what do you want to hear about in upcoming podcasts, and who do you want to hear from? You can let us know through the virtual suggestion box. It's at the contact us page at teachingmathteachingpodcast.com or in the show notes for this episode. And just so you know, the anonymous person who said, hey, you have a messed up link. Uh, We fixed it in episode 63. So thanks for that. 
Um, also, did you know that AMTE has another podcast, the Mathematics Teacher Educator Podcast? Uh, the MTE podcast accompanies the latest edition of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal and has authors join host Ava Thanheiser as they discuss the work they have published in the journal. You can, you can find a link to this MTE podcast uh, website in the show notes after this episode. 